You're listening to the Colorado Springs Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Hey, Colorado Springs, this is Jenny Bayless, and I am here with Leah Keeling. Leah, how's it going? Good. How are you, Jenny? Good. We are here today with Miller McSwain. This is his second time on the podcast. I'm super excited to have him back. Um, If you guys remember him from last time he was on, probably about a year ago now, and um, he and his wife bought their first house hack literally right after they graduated from college, which is incredibly impressive um, way to, to kick things off. So he is on his second house hack now. And so we wanted to to bring him back on and kind of talk about his experience and, um, you know, how his second one's going. So Miller, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. So can you fill us in a little bit about uh, where you're at now from the time that we last spoke. And then um, we'll kind of rewind a little bit and talk about your your first house hack and what that's looking like. Yeah. So uh, since last time, like Jenny said, I was on about a year ago and it was episode 99. So you can get a whole you know rundown there. But, um, but yeah, so we had moved out here from Tennessee, bought our first house hack right after graduating college. Um, house hack that rent by the room strategy. And since I've moved on to the second one that we bought, about two months ago with Leah and uh, living in that one now, some rehabs done and, you know, some rooms filled. So working on stabilizing it now. That's awesome. So let's kind of rewind and I'd love to hear what happened with your first house hack, what that's looking like now, now that you've moved out of it, you know, kind of remote management. Can you fill us in a little bit um, on the actuals for that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's a good rundown on the last episode, but kind of the gist of the property is it was a uh, totally turnkey. You know, we bought it. Um, we bought it out of state. You know, we hadn't even moved to Colorado Springs yet. And so it had recently been flipped. Um, it was a five bed, three bath, or it is a five bed, three bath um, in April of 2022 is when we got it. And so it was like a 4.8% interest rate back then, I think. So you know, a little bit better than today. Um, but yeah, so we decided to do the rent by room strategy on it so that we could, you know, kind of maximize, maximize the income from it. Um, the main level was, a uh, is a three, two, so three beds, two baths with like kind of a easily separatable basement. So, which was great for, you know, a house hack. So my wife and I lived in the basement, had a door put up top and then, um, you know, basically had our own suite downstairs with, you know, two beds, uh, living room. We put a kitchenette in and then there was a bathroom down there. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so that's kind of like the layout of the property. But yeah, so I got the top three rooms rented out. We lived in the basement. Um, and yeah, so we were able to do management, you know, locally since we were there. But at the time, we kind of started working on building out remote systems while we were there. You know, so yeah, we could go up and fix the sink if we needed to. But it was good to go ahead and figure out, you know, who are the handymen? Um, how do we sign leases remotely? Uh, all that kind of stuff. So we kind of worked on that while we were there. But, um, but yeah, so we've since moved out and that year has ended and we actually have some actuals for the property, which I thought might be pretty good to share. So you guys can get a sense for how a house hack may actually perform in the spring. So yeah, there's projections, but you know, here's an example of how one actually did perform. Um, yeah, absolutely. Please, please share. 
Yeah. And oh, and I, I do want to mention, so we actually do have the actuals posted on our website too, which I can link to later. You know, at the okay. End of the podcast, but Great. there's like pictures and videos on there. Um, and actually like real time performance too, like how it's doing like this month. So. That oh, wow. That's, better. that's brave of you to, to advertise that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, really, I just want to be really transparent with it. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, the, there, there'll be bad years or months mm-hmm. or whatever, but anyway, so give people a good look. That's awesome. Um, but the first year turned out spoiler like really well uh unexpectedly i I knew i thought there would be so many hiccups and of course there were hiccups but um so i wanted to break it down into uh four categories that you guys talk about so there's like four generators so cash flow tax benefits loan pay down and appreciation and cash flow was great uh it turned out to be seven thousand two hundred dollars for the year but uh, let me caveat it real quick so that is assuming that my wife and i were paying rent right okay so so if so, because we would be paying rent somewhere else anyway. So I yeah. think it makes sense to throw those numbers in, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and and remind everyone how much you put in to purchase this property and get yes. rent ready. So it was, um, so some of it we got kind of lucky on, but it was 460 grand when we bought it. Uh, and we ended up, that was 36,000. Yeah, that we put into it. So that was, you know, down payment and closing costs. And we didn't really have any startup costs, but that's, you know, not common, but we had a family member give us a bunch of furniture before we moved. So, you know, we furnished all the shared spaces and that was using their furniture and stuff. So startup costs were lower than usual, but yeah, it was 36 grand. So that was like a 20% cash on cash return. That's what it's looking like for year one. So that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, that's uh, fantastic. and so that was, you know, for April to, uh, you know, the end of December. So a little over half a year there, but so cash flow was good. Tax benefits, our taxes are filed now. So we have all of that info, but that ended up being around like a $500 tax benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's about a 1% you know, return on investment there. Loan pay down. Um, oh, can we what? back up on the tax yeah, benefit? Totally. So yes. um, I know that we've done a couple of episodes and hopefully we can link to it in the show notes about some really in-depth discussions about depreciation, um, you know, certain certain strategies that you can implement on that. But just really, you know, kind of high-level depreciation is essentially a non-cash expense that the IRS allows real estate investors to take um, on, on their structure. So, um, you know, Miller was able to offset his taxes via the, the $500 that he didn't actually spend. So it was an expense for his taxes, but not in his pocket. Um, so just wanted to kind of highlight that because it's something that's overlooked quite a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the way that we determined that um, is that on your tax return, you can go back and look and see how much you know you actually depreciated of the property. So it's a little bit different for a house hack. So I think the total depreciation would normally be like eight or 10 grand or something, but they used like a portion of it since mm-hmm. only part of it was our business. Um, anyway, so they, so they used a portion. So that was around like five grand, I think. And then you apply whatever your... Uh, you multiply that by your like your effective tax rate, which is probably on those forms somewhere too. So, yep, awesome, cool. Um, yeah. So then loan pay down. So this is an awesome return that I think is also <laughs> overlooked. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the most guaranteed return you have, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So this is your tenants paying down your loan, which builds equity in your property. Um, so in that in in this case, that was around four thousand nine hundred dollars, which is thirteen percent return on return on investment. So, you know killing it there too. Um, and that's totally guaranteed. And then lastly, appreciation. So this was our killer, uh, and not really a killer, but this was our negative one. So we were, (laughs) we were negative. And this is, 
this is uh, a paper return to you, right? Like this isn't something that's realized. So it's just kind of hypothetical, but mm -hmm. just for tracking purposes, it was negative 4,800. So we bought it for 460 and it was worth around 455 by the end of the year. So, okay. Okay. Which as you mentioned is not really a part of a calculation until you go to sell it. Um, so if you guys are going to sit on this thing for 30 years, uh, I imagine it will probably be worth more than 460 in, in 30 years from now. So, um, you know, you'll, you can cross that bridge then, but like you said, yeah, it's just kind of a nice to have number. Um, but yeah, so yeah, well, it's just something to look at, you know, Absolutely. So, so when you add them up, it was like around 20% total return. So that sounds great to me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a pretty good um, first property purchase. So congratulations um, on knocking this one out of the park, because usually your first property is just kind of the experimental one. And, you know, if you can kind of break even, you've done pretty good on that. But yeah, you guys are just absolutely, uh, you know, doing phenomenal on that. So um, what have you guys learned from more of a you know, managerial side of things. Um, was it harder or easier managing tenants than you had anticipated? What were some of the hurdles that you guys had to overcome? Uh, I think it was it was probably easier than it than it would be on most people just because of our situation. So 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 rent by room is inherently like a more management intensive strategy. But um, my wife and I just graduated college. So we're coming out of this rent by room scenario that, you know, we've been you know doing for four years or so. So we're aware of all of the, you know, kind of issues that could crop up. So we're kind of able to nip them in the bud, you know, kind of before they uh, became a real issue. Um, so some of the things that we did, uh, and I think I mentioned this in the previous episode, but we would label the shelves and like the pantry and the fridge. So each you know bedroom has a space. Um, you're not encroaching on anyone else's space. Um, another thing we ended up doing later in the year was bringing in a cleaner. So a cleaner would come through all the shared spaces, you know, once a month and keep everything tidy there. Um, and other than that, I mean, there's just online systems that you can use, right. To do all your lease signing and, uh, rent collection and stuff like that. So that's all pretty standard, but took a lot of weight off of our shoulders. Um, and filling the rooms wasn't too difficult because we only had to fill three, but as we'll probably get to later, it is much more difficult now because uh, we have a lot. We, we have a. We're basically running two small apartments now, so mm -hmm. we have a lot of tenants at the moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I imagine that it probably gets a little confusing when you're on number two because you know each room is its own lease, which is rather paperwork intensive. I, at least in my experience, like you know, um, self managing my properties and whatnot. It's like. Who, you know, who is this person again? Where do they live? Like, what's the story on this thing that I don't remember? Um, so just having to kind of, you know, remember everything, I think it's a little hard. Um, did you guys have any like drama or anything like that that occurred? Or was everyone just really like keep keep to themselves and uh, it uh we didn't really have any issues between anyone and i think a lot of that'll just come down to your screening practices mm -hmm. you know so um we we screened very thoroughly and made sure that um people were good people I, we didn't necessarily do like i've heard of some people throwing like a questionnaire in to see like oh like how well this roommate may match the other like housemates you know we didn't necessarily do that we just made sure everyone was you know that they were good people and then in that case you know there weren't really any big issues to overcome between them so great that's great. Yeah, that that's I think um 
probably the number one objection that Leah and I hear for yes. people when we bring up the strategy is, yes. I just don't want to deal with the people part of it. So, right. yeah. <laughs> That's always like the hang up that people have like, oh, these numbers look great, but I don't feel like managing five people and five leases. Yeah. So, but I think, I think it just highlights based on the numbers that you've shown Miller is like, you put in the work, you get the reward for it. Um, so mm -hmm. it's just another one of those things. Like I, I always say real estate is just such a, you know, an inverse relationship between effort and return. Um, so you can put in a lot of effort and get a lot out, um, you know, or you can just put in a little bit of effort and yeah, it, it's just, you know you, you can expect mediocre returns. Like you can't, you can't put in zero effort and expect outsized returns or else everybody would be doing it, which would then, you know, kind of get everything back to baseline. So that's just kind of my little soapbox on that. And I think that you're showing just, you know, the, the amount of effort that goes into it is paying off for you. Um, especially, you know, you're one out of college, you, you have two properties under your belt, which is phenomenal. So, um, so you, you guys moved like the day after you guys qualified right, for your second house. hack. Yeah. I got to optimize all of our time. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I love hearing that. Yeah. You're like, you know, day 366 or whatever, yeah. <laughs> closing on your next one. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you, you described your first property, did you want to um, emulate that exactly? Because it, it seems like your second property is a little bit different um, just in terms of location and layout and was just curious about your the transition between the strategies within within your already defined strategy for, for the house itself. Yeah, so so we took a little bit of a different approach. So with the first property, like I said, it was totally turnkey. Um, which was great because, I mean, we were moving, you know, from out of state to here. So we didn't know the market. We didn't know, we didn't have connections to contractors. I mean, I didn't have the confidence even probably to, you know, talk to a contractor and walk through a rehab at that point anyway. So, so it was totally turnkey, but this go round, you know, I knew some contractors and stuff from, you know, networking events and all of that. Um, you know, just had more confidence in the rehab because, you know, I worked on the other house a little bit myself and whatever. I, I knew a little bit more than I did before. So we figured that, yeah, we'll keep doing the rent by room strategy because we want cash flow. Um, but it would be great to build, you know, some forced equity uh, by picking something that needed, you know, some work that, that we could do to it. Um, so really what we ended up looking for was not necessarily a house that needed work. Uh, we were looking for houses that were fine as is, but that we could add bedrooms to without a ton of headache. Um because then that would increase our cash flow and also, you know, increase the value some with, you know, to add, you know, a handful of walls, right? So nothing too tough there. Yeah. So so Leah, I guess can you describe a little bit about, you know, at that point in time, the spring, what it was like to try to find a property that would fit this? Cause you know, we're just constantly battling really, really low inventory and just kind of curious to hear how you guys were able to to locate and negotiate the one that you ended up um, purchasing? Yeah. I mean, of course we had low inventory like we have for years now, really. <laughs> um, but I find that Colorado Springs has like great setups for this. Um, so like, I think our first day of showings, I mean, we only had one day of showings 
and we found this one. I think we looked at like eight properties that day. Um, but you know, we kind of know the areas and like the size of houses where we were like, okay, we could probably make this work. Um, and you know, it's like along that powers corridor, uh, east of powers where like a lot of those houses have those perfect setups. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't tough for us to find this one. We oh, good. One day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know when you, when you sent it to me, we we're kind of chatting about the different options that they had. Um, in, in addition, it's, STR eligible for when they move mm-hmm. out. So, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if that's what you guys plan on doing, but it's just so nice to have multiple different options at your disposal that you can choose from and, you know, pick the most optimal as opposed to being pigeonholed into a certain type of strategy. So mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah, it was, it, it's always fun looking for these houses, you know, and yeah. we have another client that's a few miles up the road, basically exact same layout. Um, oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So kind of with like the basement suite, um, you know, middle common area and then upstairs rental bedrooms. So basically same setup. A lot of those houses are built like that. So it wasn't yeah. too difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So what was negotiations like um, on this one? <laughs> we tried to lowball. Like we were like, we're, it had been on the market for what? Like mm, a month and a half or something? Yeah. Maybe a month. <laughs> So we were yeah. like, we're going to just go in like tough on this one. Um, I mean, that is an eternity in Colorado Springs yeah. market time. So. <laughs> um, so I think we went at like four, I think it was listed at 440, 435, right? Mm-hmm. And then we went in at like 400 with max concessions. <laughs> they were like, no, we're cool with the concessions, but... We just did a price drop and we're not going to go that low. I mean, the house was definitely worth more than 400 Yeah. Um, but we were kind of just seeing how desperate the seller was, you know? Yeah. Might I mean, I don't think there was any, waters, you know? yeah, I don't think there was any risk in it is because it had been on the market for so long. Like the mm-hmm. odds that someone else was going to you know purchase it or looking at it the same day, it was like pretty low at that point. So mm-hmm. yeah, we kind of went for it and it didn't work, but I mean, that's it didn't fine. Work. <laughs> but, you know, all you can do is try. So uh, <laughs> it ended up getting max concessions though. I think it was like 12,000. Yes. That's just great. right off the top. So, so I mean, is cool. list price with concessions, is that what you guys settled on or did they lower the price a little bit? 5K under. So I think okay. we got it at 430, right, Miller? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, yep. 430 with 12K concessions. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we've been seeing, you know, over the last year as an option for, for buyers. Whereas before, if the, you know, seller saw concession on, um, you know, a, an offer, they would kind of discount it. But now it's becoming more commonplace. And I think that is very mm-hmm. beneficial for buyers because they're able to bring less cash to the table. So it's mm-hmm. going to cover things like your closing costs um, for your lender, or some, you know, title costs, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that it's, you know, very beneficial to pump up your cash on cash return a little bit, um, you know, so, so great job on that. Um I think yes. like concessions on like nine out of 10 offers and they've all been accepted. Yeah. Like I just do it on every one. Like <laughs> we're taking full advantage of that. <laughs> you might as well. I mean, yeah. If you guys are the only offer on the table and if they really don't want to do it, all they can do is counter you and, mm-hmm. you know, and just yeah. move forward from there. So, yeah, that's great. So, so Miller, can you tell us a little bit about, 
Um, I guess, well, I kind of want to go through um, inspection and everything because I think that would be a good learning point. So we can talk about that. But then I'd also like to hear kind of where you're at right now. I know you guys just moved in, but, um, you know, kind of like a, a where you are and where you think it's going to go um, numerically for this one. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So as far as like the acquisition went, yes, I think we're at, yeah, 430 purchase price. And yeah, so this was two months ago. So we're at like a 6.5% interest rate. So close <laughs> to a couple points higher than our last one. Um, so that was something to kind of deal with there. But yeah, so acquisitions, the inspections, I don't think there was anything too crazy. The only thing that we really worried with um, was the basement. Well, there were two things. The basement, it seems that the previous owner had you know, finished it himself. Um, so I don't think it was permitted. And we were worried about the floors, uh, the walls not being floated, um, which in Colorado, from my understanding, is necessary in the basement because the uh, the ground expands and contracts, mm-hmm. and so if the walls are floated, there's like kind of a little bit of a um, a, a buffer space for the floor to go up and down and not like destroy your house. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my understanding, and we were concerned that it wasn't because there was a portion in the utility room you could see that was not floated, um, and we kind of pushed back on it, and he pushed back on us saying it was, and it just ended up being that. We just had him cut out, you know, a couple sections of of the the baseboard, just showing that you could see that it was floated. So, didn't end up being a huge deal, but it would have been a huge deal if it wasn't floated, because I imagine we'd have to redo a good portion of the basement, you know. Oh, absolutely. I I think that would kind of be a deal breaker at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just because yeah, so. of the potential structural issues down the road. And just like seeing how the basement was finished, it was like you could tell it was it looked professionally done. Like it looked really nice. And I'm like, why didn't they, you know, permit this? Um, and then through inspection, the listing agent like kept on saying about how he owned his own construction company and like, he wouldn't do it the wrong way. And we're just like, just show us it's floated. (laughs) (laughs) So they did. And the electrical was all funny down there too. Yeah. Um, There was a couple of like handyman. Yeah. Yeah, It was like, like he just DIY'd it basically okay. yeah like some of the electrical was yeah weird and like the like hot and cold in the showers flipped so there were like signs that it was handyman you know kind mm-hmm. of done a little bit um but i mean we've been down here you know for a couple months now and so we haven't had any issues uh the electrical was fixed during inspection the you know hot and cold was flipped but other than that downstairs has been great so yeah good <laughs> and it has a little kitchenette that was already in there yes oh, oh that's oh, great like a sink yeah. in a fridge right Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I should have mentioned that. So, so as far as us house hacking, my wife and I are in the basement. And so, uh, having a kitchenette is super helpful down here. We still cook upstairs some, but we do have like a little like tabletop oven down here and stuff like that. Yeah. So definitely listen to Miller's previous podcast about how he does the laundry, um, set in his previous house hack. Is it similar to how you guys are doing it now? Is it set up a little bit different? How, how are you guys handling laundry? Yeah. So laundry is uh, better here. We didn't have to do any sort of work around like we did previously. Um, yeah. Laundry is up on the main level. So they all have access to it. And yeah, we just go up there to do our laundry, um, you know, too. So yeah, no big deal there. Great. Great. So tell us a little bit about what, um, you know, occupancy, what you guys are seeing so far for running out the bedrooms and just that whole process. Yeah. So slower than we'd like. Uh I, this is going to be like a broken record, but last time 
on the podcast, I said that I listed the rooms too high, you know, to test the waters at our last house. And I waited too long, like slowly brought them down. And I said, I would never do that again. Well, I did that again. <laughs> uh, and well, because my thinking was this house is in like a much nicer location than our previous house, you know, like super suburban, you know, sidewalks, you know, friendly neighbors, all that kind of stuff. And so I thought rents would go for more because of that. It would seem that that is not the case. Uh, our, sh- our, our rooms that have shared bathrooms, they rent the same here as they do at the other place. So I don't guess it's something that rent by rooms, uh, tenants, you know, residents necessarily care about. They're really just looking at price for the most part, I think. And they like that we, uh, you know, provide utilities and a cleaner and all that and, you know, shared supplies and furnish the, the shared areas. But beyond that, I don't think they really care about location too much. It's just like, is it close to my job? Yes. No. Uh, okay. You know? Yeah. So, that's really good feedback for, for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that was something that we learned. So yeah, if you're looking for rent by room, don't focus on maybe like how nice the neighborhood is. Just focus on the yeah, proximity to whatever renter pool you're kind of going for. Um, it's definitely a big tip there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, as far as like rents actually go, so to give some data points, so our sh- our bedrooms with shared baths go for around like 750 right now. And that's it goes for the other house as well. They're about 750. Um, and the master at this room though is the exception so we were still furnishing everything here and you know still doing some rehab type stuff and i just kind of threw it up like i said kind of a pie in the sky sort of price and i threw it up at a thousand bucks a month just because we weren't ready for anyone to move in and someone you know bit the hook and we reeled them in so we do have (laughs) someone rented at a thousand bucks a month right now and i Part of it is because, well, it's the primary bedroom, you know, it has its own bathroom, mm-hmm. but it also does have views of Pikes Peak out the window. Oh, so, okay. you know, that's, of course, is like the cover photo, you know, and the listing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that helped a lot. And, uh, but I don't expect it to be repeatable. You know, when this person moves out, I it, I would assume probably like 850 to 950 is probably more reasonable, honestly. Okay. So, And then, and then do you guys have the two bedrooms in the basement um, kind of person? personally blocked off for while you're living there or are you only occupying the, the one bedroom yeah so there's technically zero bedrooms in the basement and there is still technically zero there's <laughs> just <laughs> there's there's what could have totally been a bedroom if this guy just put a door like just to my left right now like okay it's a door it even has like closets and, and all, all of missing that. was a door it was so strange yeah so, <laughs> like i mean he, he could have called it for in the listing huh oh. Totally. Yeah. He I can see the egress window behind yeah. you. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so that's, so that's where our bedroom is. Um, and then there's like kind of like a, a small like living room down here as well that will be converted to a bedroom. Um, and there's like a, a door at the top of the staircase. So yeah, okay. it's still like a pretty private unit. Um, I, at the last house I cooked everything downstairs cause we had a kitchenette, uh, and this kitchenette's smaller. So actually I go cook upstairs, but other than that, yeah, we're kind of self-contained down here. Okay, great. And then when you guys are going to move out, you would put the bedroom up on this one and then convert uh, a, a bedroom for the for the open area in the basement yep. to make yep. it. Okay, great. Um, so we're talking seven fifty with two bedrooms upstairs, fifteen hundred there plus the thousand, so you got twenty five hundred. Um, and then what is your your mortgage on this one? Uh, it is around. 28 oh no no i think it's three with like taxes and insurance but okay. yeah like right around three thousand flat i think with taxes okay. and insurance yeah. so you're paying 500 bucks plus carrying everyone's utilities maintenance 
that sort of, uh, you know, all the, all the not very fun expenses, um, that you have to pay for. So yeah. Um, as you, as you can attest, um, $500 to live is pretty darn good. Seeing as how bedrooms are renting for $750. Um, you know, you're, you're out ahead on that. And plus you own the home. Um, so you're getting all those benefits to that. So I mean, I think this one's going to be another home run and, you know, even at six and a half percent, I mean that, yeah, you're just, you're, you're doing phenomenal, um, on all aspects of that. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So that's great. So what's the plan for, uh, next year? Are you going to do something similar to this? Are you guys getting tired, tired of it? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so I think we'll still continue to house hack for the foreseeable future, you know, every 12 months or close to it, no matter what. Um, and ideally we would do it like eight times, you know, who knows? That's a lot. So you want, you want to beat Jeff White's record, right? Yes. Isn't that's it? actually what I'm yeah. going for. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that would be ideal. Cause I mean, it's really, it's, it's as close as you can get to getting a free house. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 5% down, which is still a lot. I mean, like, you know, we're putting 30, five grand, you know, all in eventually. So it's still a lot, um, but it's a lot closer than you can get otherwise. So we'll continue doing that, um, you know, moving every year. It's inconvenient, but that's fine. But in addition, we are trying right now to uh, buy investment properties as well, non-owner occupant properties that we would rent by room as well. You know, we have all the systems in place at this point. Um, We know how to find the deals. We really know how to manage the deals. So kind of our mission right now is we're doing, you know, a lot of networking, um, you know, helping out folks as we can, connecting folks, and then, you know, looking for uh, potential partners that want to be uh, really passive and provide capital for these um, mm-hmm. while we find the deal and manage the deal. And then, you know, huge benefit to them. They actually get cash flow in this market in which, yeah. you know, <laughs> you, you can't get cash flow day one, you know, hardly at all uh, with, you know, any strategy really. Um, so you get cash flow in this market and plus you get all the appreciation. So just trying to offer that opportunity to, you know, potential, potential partners there. So yeah, anyone who's listening that that sounds like a good idea that, you know, Miller and his wife are going to take on the headache piece. If you want to, you know, finance it, definitely reach out to him um, and, and just kind of see what, what, if you guys are a good match or not, um, definitely want to give that shout out there. Um, you know, I think that's another good option for people is that, you know, so, what, what do they say? It's like time, money and knowledge uh, is that it or something yeah, like that yeah like hustle money yeah. and then yeah there's another yeah one. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta bring one of those to to a partnership um but you know if you can kind of marry up uh you know one or a couple of people that that have have those uh complementary uh options i think that's that's really good so H- hustle money and knowledge so yeah. we have the hustle and we have the knowledge so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> no i think that's great um so i know we were kind of chatting a little bit beforehand um and this is kind of you know a little a little bit of a divergence from you know your specific story but um we we're talking about networking and how we find that that's pretty important um skill to have, uh, you know, even if it's something that's hard, um, you know, if you're a bit of an introvert to kind of go and meet people. So can you kind of share, um, your experience with that and, um, just kind of, you know, maybe people that are on the sitting on the fence right now to go to that networking event, um, what, what you've gained from that. 
I think networking is the most important thing business related that I do. It's, you know, anyone can manage, you know, our tenants for us and all that kind of stuff, but nobody can really go network and, you know, I don't know, put, put our, you know, our name out there, you know, our, build our personal brand like for us in that way. So I think networking is hugely important. Um, and, and if you are an introvert, I think that's actually fine. Uh, I don't think I am. I like going out and talking to people, but even if you are an introvert, if you go to these meetups and a lot of the time I'll tell myself, okay, I want to meet with one person that I like really connect with and then you'll walk away and we have each other's contact info. Um, and one thing that I think people, you know, maybe don't do as often as they should, every time you leave a meetup, whoever's contact info you have, talk to them, you know, send them a message. Like as soon as you leave, you know, that's fine. Like, Hey, you know, nice to you know, connect with you, whatever. But even after that, make sure that you follow up on some sort of, you know, schedule that, you know, you can set up however you want to, but, you know, chat with them every three months or a month or six months or whatever. Um, if anybody's listened to this and I've met you at a meetup, I bet you, you get a text from me every three months or six months just to see what's going on. And Jenny and Leah, you guys both got Christmas messages from me and new year's messages. Uh, it was all planned. I hate to tell you that. And <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't mean it's not genuine. I thought about it and thought to make a system for you guys. So <laughs> do you, do you have a, like a CRM or do you have just some sort of like very uh, intricate Google suite going on? Yeah. So it started out as just you know, a Google spreadsheet and, you know, there were some formulas in there and whatever, but you don't even have to have that. You could just have a column for name, you know, phone and follow-up date, you know, or last time I talked to you and then follow-up date. It could be as easy as that. Um, I do use Podio as like a CRM now that, you know, kind of helps with that, but it wasn't that until like two weeks ago, you know, and it worked fine out of the spreadsheet. So, um, great. but yeah, so I think that's incredibly important. Um, and you know, that way you can just keep up with, contractors you meet, uh, agents you meet, lenders you meet, you know, there's a whole directory of those. So when I need something done, there's a lot of people I can talk to, you know, and you have a lot better odds of finding a good person because you have many people to, you know, kind of sift through. So, um, but anyway, so that's great. Uh, one other thing to, to mention there real quick. So yeah, there's a lot of like free events around the Springs. And mm -hmm. if you go to meetup.com, there's plenty of them in there. Um, uh, if you just search real estate or, their Envision hosts some in Denver, so there's some to go to there. But something I started doing recently was going to, uh, I joined Brandon Turner's paid mastermind group, um, which is, I mean, this isn't a plug or anything necessarily, but it's just been great for me. So it's 300 bucks a month, which may sound kind of crazy, but I think there is a lot of value in something like that. Um, and with that, I personally host the uh, the local meetup for it. So it's a national group, but we meet once a month. And anyway, I think there's a lot of value in going to an event that kind of has a paid barrier, which is like kind of unfortunate. But I know that every person I talk to there has already, you know, paid their dues, you know, paid the piper. They're really into it. Whereas if you go to a free event, you'll still meet great people. And I've met a lot of great people, but you may talk to five people before you find someone that you really mesh with or that's really serious. And if you are in some sort of filtered group, I think there's a lot of value in the fact that that group's already a little filtered just because there's a buy-in. So something to consider that may not be for everyone, but I think it's been very beneficial for us. Yeah. Yeah. Just curious. What is, um, what would you say the general experience level is um, in, in that group? Would you say it's more kind of people that are, you know, more intermediate investors or is there still, you know, a good handful of beginners as well that are just very, very serious about it? Yeah, it's totally mixed. Um, and well, and the good thing about it is it's it's not even a real estate group. There's 
you focus on all the different areas of life. So the goal is the goal of the group is to be like very well-rounded. So you focus on family and business and, you know, a handful of other things, you know, fun, all that kind of stuff. Um, and even within that it's since the buy-in is sort of low, you know, 300 bucks a month, like they get a lot more expensive than that. They're like, there's people in my group uh, and that go to the meetup that don't have a deal. There's people that are, you know, multimillionaires at this point. So it's a great mix of people where like, you know, you hear like, I don't know exactly the saying, but you know, you want to be able to pull people up and you want to be pulled up by others. Um, so it's a great group kind of for that. There's people above me and below me. Um, so we can all kind of help each other, I think. Yeah. It's great. And I, I do like to hear that it's not just real estate focused too. I think, you know, I think, well, yeah, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I think a lot of people kind of forget the whole purpose of investing in real estate is to, you know, create a better lifestyle for yourself. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of hard to lose or it's easy to lose sight of that sometimes. So to have that kind of staring at you in the face, um, you know, on a monthly basis, I, I think that's probably a really good thing. Um, you know, so you don't get, you know, too focused on, on business and forget some of the more important things in life. Yeah, totally agree. So in this group, you're in subgroups of like five to six people and they might be focused on different areas of life. So somebody might help me like with my marriage and somebody might help me with business. Somebody might help me with planning an awesome vacation just to go have fun. So it's a really well-rounded, you know, uh, mindset to have talking with these folks every week and holding each other accountable. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so Miller, like I'm just blown away with, you know, kind of your focus, you know, when we met, I don't know, a few years ago now, you told me this is what you're going to do and you have done it. And we don't often meet um, first-time investors that have such a clear focused path of how they're going to execute on a strategy. So I'm just incredibly impressed by that. Um, and I I can't wait to see what you guys continue to do. I mean, I know that I think that you, I, you know, I'm going to put this out there. I think you're going to beat Jeff's record um, on the house yeah. hacking. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm also very excited to kind of see how you do, um, like you said, the, the venture that you're hoping to, to um, you know, meet your goal this year of a, of a non-house hack room by room um, purchase, uh, however you uh, acquire that. So I'm, I'm very excited to see how that plays out. But um I guess if you have any parting words, any um, anything you wanted to share with anyone, or you know, we can we can wrap it up from here. Only thing is, like I said, networking is super important. So I hope to see some of you guys at uh, some of these springs meetups that you can find on Meetup.com. So that's awesome. all. Miller, how can people reach out to you if they want to chat with you about your 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 story, or just have general questions, or maybe even want to partner with you? What's the best way people can can get in contact with you? Yeah, if anybody's interested in chatting rent by room, you can check out my Instagram. That's at my name, M-I-L-L-E-R-M-C-S-W-A-I-N. And on there, there's a link to uh, to the website and there's you know phone number on there and stuff too. But feel free to direct message me on Instagram. That'd be great. So Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you uh, tuning in for this one. Miller, Leah, thanks so much for uh, jumping on the podcast and we will see you all soon. Thanks for having us. 